Welcome into the Missouri Women's Basketball Beat, Beat Podcast. I'm joined, my name is Cameron Connor. I'm joined by the Columbia, Missouri and Beat Writers for MU Women's Basketball, Shannon Belt and Nate Marcus. Guys, first off, it's pretty warm for the first time in a long time. How are, how are the California people loving that? Loving it. it. Feels like home. Yes, definitely. I still wore a coat though, like a... Okay, I wasn't that bad. I just had a hoodie. I, I had cla- we had class at nine a day. I it was thirty five degrees. It was I had chilly be- this morning. I had a beanie on and a hoodie, but wasn't wearing the winter coat. That's okay. Are you guys are you guys dreading the the I I, I was gonna say blizzard like conditions. I don't think it's gonna be that bad, but the the winter storm coming up this next week is it? Are we are we threatening in our boots? Are we are we shaking? Are we fine? It'll be a blizzard to us. It okay. will be a okay. blizzard to us. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's okay. You know, like improvise, adapt, and overcome. Right. That's 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 really the only way we can do things around here. I mean, Missouri method, I guess. Woo. That'll be <laughs> that'll be that'll be good to go. No matter whether it's in journalism or weather conditions. You know, we gotta gotta do what you gotta do. But for all of you out there listening, this is the first podcast of the season for this. So we will be going through a rundown of the season so far to date, and then we're going to kind of be open forum today after that. We're going to be skipping around to maybe some recaps over the weekend, maybe what's to come, and these Columbia, Missourian riders, I mean, really, whatever's on their mind, whatever they have seen, they have that first insight as to what to cover, what's new, what's upcoming, and that's kind of where we're going to go with things. So the Missouri women, and I'd love to get your guys' opinion on this, obviously, Outstanding improvement from last year already. That's uh, probably the best way to describe it. Sixteen and six. Absolutely, coming off a nine and thirteen <clears throat> season, uh, started eight and zero. That eight and zero start didn't have a lot of quality opponents, but they beat a lot of teams that were in the NCAA tournament last year from the mid major ranks yeah. uh, before losing to Baylor and Missouri State. That Baylor uh, loss was the first kind of. Uh, Uh, showing out performance that they could compete with some of the best teams in the country. They went on the road to Waco, really great program down there, and battled into the final possession, missed on a Lauren Hansen jump shot that went in and out at the buzzer. So that was just really like the first show and tell that Missouri women's basketball could actually compete at the top of the SEC this season. Yeah, definitely. I think after that, it kind of went a little downhill. You know, went to Springfield, and I think, was that game in Springfield? Yeah. Yeah. Those road games, I feel like the road games are are way more tougher, of course. But mm. after losing to Baylor and then the Missouri State loss, they kind of like lost themselves for a little bit. That definitely was a little bit of a falter. First off, like from your guys' perspective, what's up with Missouri against Missouri State? Missouri State, by the way, phenomenal women's basketball program, which a lot of people nationally don't really know about that. They finished ranked last year at yep. 25th, yeah. I'm pretty sure. But this team this year has been extremely competitive, but it seems – no matter how close, for to your guys' point, in that Baylor game when they were ranked number five at the time, a blowout to Missouri State. Is this kind of one of those mental barriers that they're not getting past, or is it something about going down to the Springfield area that just kind of kind of gets in the way? I think it was some fatigue to that. You know, that was the first game. Like, they started 8-0, you're riding high, and then you go play just like one of the best teams in the country. You give it your all, and you just come up short. And then you have to go on the road to an in-state rival, a very talented in-state rival that plays a tough defense. They're big, they're long, they're athletic. I think their center is the fifth leading rebounder in the country. So they presented a lot of challenges to Missouri, and their offense just could not get going. They just couldn't. I feel like that happens often when they're fatigued. Like if if they're fatigued and they're going because they have that like Thursday Sunday schedule going for them, and I think that once they go on the road, that's even more fatigue. We're California people. We know that flight. Yeah. 
flying all those times. It, it just takes, it sucks up the energy. And I think that really, mentally, they were, they had nothing left. And physically, they didn't have much left either, as you could see by the score. Mentally, they didn't have much left. Physically, they didn't have much left. But then maybe they find that second wind right before going into conference play and then end up getting that first win in conference play. You go 4 0, you got Alabama AM, dub. Because that, that, that should be. Of course. You got Southern U, dub. But then, more more importantly, they get that 84-65 to 65 blow it over the Fighting Illini, which was absolutely massive for this team. It leads all the way up to beating the number one team in the country. When you guys were watching these games, was there that second wind? Could you tell on the court, was it chemistry that finally started to click? What exactly was it that really got them in shape hitting in a conference play? I don't know what it was, but there was a turning point in that Illinois game. They fell down early. I was like, I think it was thirteen to two against yeah. Illinois. I mean, one, I Illinois, Illinois is not a they are not a good team this season, and they were running Mizzou off. The, I mean, they're in the Big Ten scope of things, they're not a very good team. And in the Big t- and uh, in that first five minutes, it was like seventeen to two, and it was like um, Missouri like needs this game for NCAA tournament purposes. It was like. They, they can't lose this. And then they just turned it around like that. They ended the first quarter on a 15-0 run, never looked back from there. And then they had a week off for Christmas, got to go home. And that really felt like, you know, big win in a rivalry game. Week off, get to see your family. And then you go into conference play with a home opener against the number one team in the country. And it's like you are just juiced up and ready to go. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, what kind of happened in the Illinois game happens a lot. Like, I feel like they'll go out there sometimes like lackadaisical, kind of like, oh, it's going to just – we're just going to go try to see what hits. They're forcing shots. And then they got to call that timeout. And I'm like, thank God. <laughs> As a viewer, <laughs> you want to watch a good basketball I want to watch a good basketball game. I want to see it be close. I, Even though, as a writer, I was not enjoying all those overtimes, especially on close deadlines. But I, I definitely want to see a good game. So I think after coming out of those timeouts or coming out of their slump, they go hard. So it's it's fun to watch. It definitely is fun to watch. It it seems like the difference in this team this year is that in the past, for one, there was there was the age. They were a younger team because it always it seems like it doesn't matter what league you're in. It high it could be pee wee. Whether if if you're playing teams that have played together longer, unless you're a ridiculously talented team right off the bat, and even if you are a talented team, usually those veteran lineups are going to give you a run for your money, or they're going to take you and mop the floor with you. That's just kind of how it goes, especially when you're playing in. In my opinion, I think you guys will say the same. This is the best women's conference in college basketball. When you have so many teams that end up minimum five-ranked teams every single year for the most part, and top to bottom, it's extremely competitive all the way around, you got to take those learning experiences. That's kind of the only way you can get around it. And I think it's a really big improvement to see so far this year that even though there were some losses or some letdowns that it seemed they should have had, they're at least trying to find themselves and they're kind of finding a little bit of an identity and where they belong in this conference. Yeah, I think they're pretty clearly like uh, the SEC has been a weird league this year because the teams that came in with high expectations uh, besides South Carolina and Tennessee, because those are just like clearly the two front runners. Mm-hmm. They've been consistent. Yep. Texas A&M and Kentucky came in with high expectations too. Texas A&M was preseason second by the coaches. And then Kentucky came in with Ryan Howard, who was potential national player of the year, number one draft pick in the WNBA. And both of those teams have really just kind of let down. And we've seen the likes of LSU with Kim Mulkey jump to the top tier of that le- of the league. And we've seen teams like Mizzou jump up into sort of that middle tier and Arkansas as well. So like the SEC just 
top to bottom, those teams are just all so close besides South Carolina and Tennessee uh, that it's just every night is just you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, just a second that even South Carolina, Tennessee, they are not safe. Clearly, if they're, I mean, didn't Tennessee, Tennessee lost to Auburn, South Carolina lost to Mizzou. I mean, I couldn't predict that. I would have lost the bet if I put any money down. But <clears throat> I think that's that's what makes the SEC one of the best because, like, I've watched some of the games from, like, the Big Ten because my dad loves Nebraska. So I've watched that. I'm like, yeah, but you could kind of tell where – where it was going. I knew Nebraska was not going to come back, despite what my dad said. They did not. They lost. But with the SEC, it's like you don't know who's going to go crazy that night. It's fun to watch, though, for sure. I, I got to pause you real quick, Shannon. So you, it's completely okay for your dad to be a Nebraska fan. Was he? Was he? Was he upset when you chose Mizzou because of the rivalry in the past, or was did he give you a pass? How did How did that go? Oh, he saw it as well. I'm gonna try to come down here, and I'm gonna like I'm gonna get here whenever they play. They're gonna play Nebraska at some point. Da, da, da. It never happened. But he he he. I I Nebraska Missouri wasn't even in my thought process of schools to pick. So he he didn't care. He just wants. He just wants to watch a football game. To be honest. Okay, that's fine. Okay, that's a good, that's a good way to approach. I'm glad, I'm glad it all. Uh, no, uh, no hard ties or harsh feelings between the decision. That's awesome. It's fantastic to be here on the, <laughs> the campus of Missouri. But looking into this game from what you guys have seen through SEC play so far, so we talked really about the ramp up of the non-conference. And we got into the conference a little bit. Is this what you expected out of this team as they've ramped up, or has it been more of a case where? Won some they should have, lost, or won some they shouldn't have, lost some they should have. But at the end of the day, they're still 16-6. and six. What, are, what are we thinking? Uh, I think besides the South Carolina game, it's been mm-hmm. about, like, right. I, I think this team, I always thought that 10th, which is what they were in the preseason poll, was a little too low given what everyone returned. And I guess the whole SEC middle of the pack was just kind of really tightly congested. But I think besides the South Carolina win that they have, pretty much played to what they should have they've won big games on their home court and they've lost games on the road that because it's on the road there's going to be tough that Arkansas game I mean I wouldn't be surprised if Mizzou beats Arkansas when they come back to Mizzou Arena uh LSU is not gonna I don't think LSU comes back to Mizzou Arena this year but that was a really close game on the road I think if LSU came to Columbia that Mizzou might win that game so I think it's been about what they should have been I agree except for the Mississippi State game that one I was like what's going on I was watching it like this is interesting (laughs) to say the least they just lost their number one scorer but it was kind of like what the coach Robin Pinchin was saying kind of like the team battling ever it's like the movies Mm -hmm. underdog they lost their person this is this and that of course I it wasn't that intense to me as someone just dropping in covering this game because I covered Mizzou women's basketball but that's clearly what took place because that was unexpected. I thought they were going to win that one. That definitely was a head-scratcher <laughs> for this Missouri women team for sure. And to what you, to your guys' credit, what you guys are talking about, if Missouri plays LSU at home, that's probably a win. There's the whole other conversation with Asia Blackwell fouling out. That was that was also a letdown. They still had a lot of fight for her going out, which that was to their credit. But you play two ranked teams back-to-back in LSU and Georgia, and they were in both of those games for – LSU, the entire thing for Georgia, a majority of it. Would it be safe to say that this team, if they were in another conference, they might have already received ranked recognition or at least gotten closer to it? 
but they're just a really good team playing in the SEC, so it's hard to do that when you're playing competition like this on any given night. I, I think it's fair to say that they could have been ranked at this point. Uh, okay. Obviously, the SEC is one of, if not the best leagues in the country, and you have t- leagues like the Pac-12, which is more of our territory, where you only have one, you only have like Arizona, Stanford, those two teams that are ranked. Mm-hmm. And the SEC, I think we've had seven or eight teams, different teams in the yeah. AP poll at some point this season. So just because of that, you are going to just be in for tougher battles each night in and night out. So before we do a a, a bigger wrap up here of the Missouri State and then the Alabama game because that's been that's been uh, a pretty that those have been the most recent games as of late and Shannon I'd, li- I'd, li- I'd love to get your opinion first on this one and then just kind of go around before we get into that what about the overall roster development of this team is there anyone that stands out let's leave Asia Blackwell out of this <laughs> till the end because that's she's been the consistent and continued to get better well we can we can give like a minute or two at the end of this one but the the other roster so far, who's who have been the main characters that you were like, wow, they needed to step up or I had no idea they were going to step up in this way. But because of it, Missouri's benefited. Definitely Lauren Hanson. When I first started covering uh, Mizzou last year, I was like, OK, I like the way she plays because she's like she's a shorter player, but she can shoot the three, which is what they, they like at Mizzou. They like the, the three ball. But then she also like likes to drive. She could she gets in there. I like the way she dribbles. She kind of plays with that sh- that swagger because she's from New York, you know, mm-hmm. coast coast. I get it. I see <laughs> it. I respect it. So I, I definitely, I figured she was gonna get better, but I didn't know she was gonna get the starting spot. I was like, okay, look at her. She got the starting spot, and she showed out, and she has been their like second go to behind or third go to behind Asia Blackwell and Haley Frank. Yeah, and then just to, like, I love the backcourt that this team plays with. They're all, like, mm-hmm. Lauren Hansen's 5'9", and then Haley Troop and Maman Dembele are both 5'6 and 5'7". Uh, Maman Dembele has been fantastic this year. Yeah. Not necessarily in a scoring role because they don't really need her to do that. But her ability to move the ball, pressure up, she gets in the lane really easily, especially against these tough SEC defensive guards. And even when she gets her opportunity to shoot the ball, she makes it. I mean, it feels like... I think I don't even know if she made a three pointer last season, and she's shooting around forty percent this season. I mean, yeah. did, I mean, I don't know if she did. Like, to be honest, she averaged I think two points a game last year, and mm-hmm. it's I still um like I think it's five to six this season. But just like her ability to stretch the floor, bring defenses out a little more, create so much more space within the offense. Because at the beginning of the season, teams were sagging off on her so much to try and double Asia Blackwell, yep. uh, take space away from Haley Frank, and now they really can't do that anymore. Is it safe to say that Lauren Hansen is now like the bona fide third option on this team? Because before, especially when they were younger, we knew that Asia Blackwell, Haley Frank were going to be those two going forward that were going to get a majority of those offensive touches on any sort of consistent respective night. Has Lauren Hansen really stepped into that third spot? Is she that valuable third option that they have overall that they, if, if they need a shot, they get it? Uh, yes. Uh, when they when she plays well, Missouri usually wins. Uh okay. Kind of the outlier there was when they lost to LSU. I think she made yeah. six threes in that game. But still, they played a ranked team on the road tough in overtime and lost, and she played really well. When they beat South Carolina, obviously she had the game winner, but she had 21 points as well. So when she plays well, they win. I would say when I was first covering them, I did not think it was going to be her. I thought it was going to be Ladeja Williams. Because, you know, they they were lacking that post player because mm-hmm. they got rid of or she graduated Amber... 
don't remember her last name. But she was like their post player. She was their yeah. go-to. But LaDeja Williams was even better than her. So I okay. thought that she was going to be the third option, but then the injuries. And Lauren Hanson definitely stepped up and filled in those shoes for sure, though. That's a good point. It seems like this roster overall, from what you guys are describing, and feel free to compliment, it seems like everyone is understanding their role right now. It seems like they're really starting to click of what their jobs and responsibilities are as a team. And that can be one of literally the most important things. If you know, and sometimes it's okay to be a puzzle piece. Sometimes you can be a malleable puzzle piece and fit into different positions, which is a whole different conversation. But at least as long as you know where you fit in some sort of basketball role, it seems like it can benefit, and that might be why we've seen such massive improvement this year. I agree. I think, like, a good example of that is, like, Kaya Doro. Like, at first she would get into the game, and I'm like, she I, she reminds me of me when I got into game. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, <laughs> I just looked scared. I looked like I just wanted to pass the ball because I did. I didn't really want to shoot. But now you see she's getting more points she would come in for defense. That's kind of what I would do, come in, give a little defensive presence. But now she's scoring. She's getting more comfortable, and she knows that she's a role player. She doesn't have to go crazy. She's not like an Izzy Higginbottom type freshman, but she will go in there and do what needs to be done. So I, I definitely think they're fitting those little puzzle pieces together. And I think what's uh, been kind of tough about trying to fit those puzzle pieces together, she mentioned LaDasia Williams' injuries. I mean, this team has just been like through a lot of stuff in early January, the first part of SEC play. They started out 8-0. They had their full roster. Everyone was playing. And then they kind of get in the early conference conference portion of the schedule. And you have LaDasia Williams getting COVID and getting hurt. You have only eight players available for the South Carolina game. You have Izzy Higginbottom getting hurt and getting COVID. I mean, it's just so hard to have a to know your role when the whole roster isn't together. We've taken enough time. Asia Blackwell. <laughs> Legit. Yeah. That's and any other way to describe it. When, when you talk about someone, I, I was reading one of your pieces last week before we interviewed you on KFRU, Shannon. I mean, you, you called her a mini Rodman, except she's a Rodman, except she's also the main offensive contributor. She's yes. someone who offensively or defensive side of the ball, she just knows how to position herself in a way where she's kind of going to dominate, right? <laughs> we talk about the puzzle pieces. Everything fits around Asia Blackwell, right? Yeah, she's definitely like, their little Sophie Cunningham, but it's kind of cool because she came with Haley Frank. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Sophie Cunningham had another person who came in with her who was like bringing that much scoring presence as much as her, but they those two kind of match each other with Asia Blackwell, like just like a point something above Haley Frank. It's like that's gonna be sad when those two leave. They they're gonna really have to think about some things because they lost just one last time. Now they're gonna lose two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just an awesome rebounder. I mean, it's so fun to watch her just, like, go after every ball. And she's undersized, too, when you look at these, like, other big post-SEC players. You can think of Leah Boston from South Carolina, who's got 15 double-doubles in a row. She's 6'5". Asia Blackwell is 6 feet tall and leading the nation in average rebounding as of last— in rebounds uh, from last week, sorry. And— you know, she's just awesome. And you mentioned her scoring 16 points a game, too. Her mm-hmm. ability to play on the interior just, like, creates so much space out for those shooters that want to shoot the ball, like Lauren Hansen and Haley Frank. That's been one of the biggest developments for this team, the fact that there is someone that on the inside can dominate so well and still has pretty good mid-range shot, too. It, it, every once in a while, it's, it's, it's pretty legitimate to be a point guard, like you guys are saying, to be only six feet tall 
to be able to do this, averaging 13.4 rebounds a game. I'm looking at the charts right now. She's almost a rebound above, which when you get this far stretched out in a statistical season, to almost be a rebound above someone is ridiculously significant. That's when you're talking almost a rebound above. That means on any given night, even though you're averaging 13.4 and you guys have seen it all season, I think in the last, I'd have to go back through the actual stats, but it seems like she's had a minimum of, what, 12 in the last? Uh, before yesterday, she had 15 in her at least three previous. Exactly. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous, the number she's putting up. <clears throat> it's insane. One thing that I'd love to transition to, to is now that we've gone on to this a little bit, now we can talk about really where this women's team has been in this last previous week here. They got a fantastic win, a bounce-back win, 77-61 to 61 over the Alabama Crimson Tide person you were talking about, Ladeja Williams, came up huge in that game. And that's something that if she can continue to develop, and like you guys have talked about, she has had COVID complications to deal with. She's had injury problems to deal with. So it seems like now she's just now getting her feet under. What do you think she can do, and how can this team really start to gel together down the stretch? I think she could do a lot. Like, I seen the – I mean, she was originally supposed to be a South Carolina. So Mm -hmm. that shows you kind of what kind of caliber she is. She probably came to Mizzou to get more play time, which I feel like that's what Mizzou is known for. You're going to come here and you're going to be immediately impacting the team. And I think she definitely does that. And I don't know. It's kind of a good thing to have her come off the bench. At first I was like, ooh, that's that's a short lineup. But then she came off the bench and I was like, they need that because who else is coming off the bench and scoring that much? I, I agree with Shannon for sure, <clears throat> especially yesterday. It felt like – Every time that Alabama sort of made a run, especially in the first half, every time that Bama made a run, sort of looked like they were closing the gap, Ladeja Williams would check back in and it'd be like two buckets and then a three from someone else and it would be like an 11-point lead again. And when you can bring someone off the bench that can just put the ball in the basket, that's put so much pressure on an opposing defense and takes so much pressure off the players that you had on the court. I want to go back to something you said earlier, Shannon, and that you, comp- you commented on this too, that Mississippi State loss was oh it was it, it was always possible we knew that it was still going to be a tough game this is the SEC like we talked about it was gonna that was gonna be a close contested game I didn't necessarily think it was going to end up like that good for them getting that bounce back but when you're talking about a team that could potentially be tournament bound that one hurts a little bit especially when you see some of the teams you're playing next like there's there's no easy days yeah that uh, Mississippi State game was just you know, like Shannon said, they came out with a lot of energy, and they didn't. Sh- they don't shoot the ball well as a team. No, they're I mean, great. I mean, yeah. they, they average. They shoot. You just are raining threes. Yeah, going into that game, they were shooting twenty-seven percent from three and making four point four a game. And Katerian Thompson, I believe her name was, made three in the first quarter. Seven for seven for the game. I mean, it was just like everything came together for mm-hmm. Mississippi State, and nothing was going right for Mizzou. They couldn't make a shot. Couldn't get any room on the perimeter. It was just probably their worst offensive display since the uh, Missouri State game. Yeah. yeah. To your point, Thompson had 27 points in that game for Mississippi State. Yeah, that game was just a lot of the time. There were sometimes there was a few defensive breakdowns when Missouri didn't get into the right position, but that's one of those games where sometimes when those teams get hot, a lot of the times the defense wasn't terrible. It was just yeah. they were making everything. They right? Were. I mean, do you think the defense was really – that's probably been one of the biggest faults of this team going through the stretch this year, but in that game I didn't necessarily think – it was this alarm bell. It was just this team is making everything. Definitely early. It was like, okay, they were going to pack the perimeter. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they were going to get their looks, 
statistically not a good three-point shooting team. If they make a couple, they make a couple, it happens. But when they kept making them, I mean, Robin Pinchin made it a point. It's like, okay, we have to get out on her. She said that in her press conference after the game. And she was like, we did not do, she admitted, we did not do a great job of that. Yeah, you could tell. I mean, and it sucks because once one player, like I forget her name, Thompson, she once she started making threes, then everybody else started making threes too. Because mm. you had the two, I don't know if they're sisters or not, the Hayes. One, I probably messed up on that tweet because I realized midway through that there's two Hayes, but they both were making threes. So I was like, well, was I wrong? I don't know. But <laughs> either way, like I feel like that's something that also just was building off of the momentum. They just had all the momentum. And I don't even think if it was just because it was a Mississippi State home game. I think it's just because they were just – they were shooting better. Either way, you know, as we just talked about previously, Missouri ended up getting a 16-point win over Alabama. And that Mississippi State game, that's one of those, it hurts, but it's not something that you can't recover from. Basketball is contagious. Momentum is contagious sometimes. In those cases, for Missouri or Mississippi State, threes and just overall field goal percentage could be contagious. And when that <laughs> happens, it just kind of starts raining. And then sometimes when it rains, it pours. And that's kind of the only way you can look into it. When you look at the stretch for the rest of the, the, rest of the season here, they got seven games left. Mississippi State just got bounced for, or not Mississippi State, Mississippi, Ole Miss, just got bounced from being ranked. But that's still going to be a competitive contest. Then you got Tennessee. You got Arkansas, not in Fayetteville this time. It's going to be in Columbia, but they were, they lost to Arkansas earlier in the season. They lost to Georgia. They lost to Mississippi State. They have Kentucky, and then they have Florida. I don't necessarily, I mean, at this point in the season, are we getting to that range where besides maybe, you know, because Tennessee has been really good this year. Yeah. This team really needs some redemption games right down the stretch if they want to keep this tournament hope alive. I think they're pretty safe in the tournament right now okay. just because they're just riding that strength of that South Carolina win. And they yeah. have a couple of decent wins other than that. But this, that South Carolina, no one else has beaten them. I mean, yeah. it's the best win in the country right mm-hmm. now is that home win over South Carolina. So they're definitely riding that. But they need to go, I think, at least in the stretch of these next four games, two and two, because okay. all four of these teams are going to be in the NCAA tournament. assuming no one collapses. So Tennessee, obviously, on the road is going to be tough. Georgia on the road is going to be really tough. But winning at home against Ole Miss and winning at home against Arkansas is definitely doable. I agree. I I was thinking two games. They just need to win, like, two more games, three, you know, beat Florida maybe. That'd be nice. Florida's pretty good too. Like, literally no easy games. But uh, it it hurts to to look back at that Mississippi State. That could have been a good little back pocket win just in case you lose against these other ones especially you know Tennessee luckily they can get redemption on them February 20th in Columbia so that that is something we have to look out for they get these are they have three redemption games yeah because they they play Arkansas again they play Georgia again and they also play Mississippi State again so those are some ones that maybe because Robin Pynchon fantastic coach maybe these ladies figured it out maybe they can get things going around in that area here Talking about Robin Pinchon, though, for a second, I think she's a fantastic coach. I don't know about you guys. I think she's a strong leader. She just eclipsed over 200 wins, or got to 200 wins, and now has gone over that. How instrumental has she been in this whole process? Because it's it's been a slow growth because, you know, Mizzou hasn't been one of those pedigree schools where you're going to get those crazy recruits every year. But to be able to get someone like a Sophie Cunningham and a Sierra Porter, and then they transition, and after they graduate and move on, you get... The Haley Franks, you get the Asia Blackwells. Are we slowly getting to that point where maybe, 
not necessarily a destination school, but we're starting to get those generational, or I guess not generational, but class players that come in every single season well, that really can have, put this team. They do have the generational, the Linthicums. Yeah. They're there mm-hmm. 24-7. They love Mizzou. They're, they're good. I feel like those, I'll be interested to, interested to see like which of the three of them will stand out. But I, I think that maybe they, they're, they're starting local, which is kind of how you have to start. Yep. So they got uh, Avery Cronkite. I'm not Cronky. sure. Cronky. Cronky. Yeah. Everyone's favorite family in Missouri, oh, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I think everyone in Missouri is so happy they made it to the Super Bowl, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I think I think they are becoming there, becoming more of like a – I'm not sure if there will be a destination school, but <clears throat> they will get solid – three to four star recruits, especially if they continue to try to target those local people, local girls, local high schools. I mean, you got four to four to pick from, I think. Mm-hmm. But they're I'm not sure if they're quite there yet. They're not South Carolina. They're not Tennessee. They're not Yukon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think Robin Pinch is doing a great job of recruiting mm-hmm. the state of Missouri. I mean, yeah. Asia Blackwell was from Berkeley out in St. Louis. Haley mm-hmm. Frank from Stratford outside Springfield. And then, obviously, getting Avery Kroenke to sign from just here in Columbia. Yeah, they are just doing a great job of recruiting the state of Missouri. So, as long as Missouri keeps producing talent, I think, this in high school talent, then I think the university can succeed. Absolutely, and who knows? If, if they get a little bit of tournament magic or something, salt, recruiting across your state, all of a sudden, if you can control that, then you start to go regional. Then you can maybe one day go national. And that's something that Missouri is still trying to get to, and... We gotta be optimistic. That's all we can do. Yeah. That's all we can do. Just hope for the best. Before we close out this podcast, in, sorry, Cameron, just jumping yes. on that a little bit. I mean, they mm-hmm. got Kaya Duro, yes. who Shannon was yeah. talking about, who was a top fifty player in the country out of exactly. Arizona. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just a huge recruiting grit for a school like Missouri. It really is. That's that's it's the building blocks. You know, it's the steps, one step at a time, and it's slowly starting to. It's not a pedigree. We all know that. You know, it's not the Yukons, not the Tennessees, not the South Carolinas. Notre Dame has slowly dwindled which is kind of crazy to see. But I, either way, they're not there yet. But maybe they're on their way. They're, that's all That's all we can say. Definitely. Yeah, may, maybe they are. Looking here, though, we already talked about the seven games left. I mentioned to you guys earlier, I thought that maybe this team wasn't getting ranked yet because they play in the SEC for the most part. Hmm. In a weird way, might that benefit them? Because you were talking about maybe they only need two or three wins in order to get into that tournament. Because they play in the SEC... Could that also be a way that gets them into the tournament because everyone else knows around the country they have s- steeper competition? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's across the board. Look at football. A lot of people don't get ranked because they're not playing like the Alabamas, the Georgias. <clears throat> Mizzou gets to play. Those, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I always say. Like, people, like, when I talk about, like, Mizzou and they be like, oh, why are they not good at football? And I'm like, well, maybe they should have stayed where they were at before. <laughs> that's my own opinion, though. But, I mean... For basketball purposes, for Mizzou women's basketball, I think gives them a chance. I mean, if they weren't in this conference, would they had a chance to play South Carolina? That probably wouldn't have been on their 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 schedule. So more opportunities to play the big dogs. Yeah, I agree with Shannon for sure. I mean, we talked about that Mississippi State loss, but and I'm not really sure how uh, the women's committee determines quality of wins in, within the net rankings. But the way the men's do it, if you get a top 75 opponent in the net on the road and you beat them, that's a quadrant one win. And that really boosts your NCAA tournament resume. If they would have beat Mississippi State, that would have been just a quadrant one win. And Mississippi State's one of the worst teams in the SEC. 
So when you're getting those opportunities every single night, that's going to help you get to the NCAA tournament if you can win, and it's going to prepare you to do battle against those solid teams in the NCAA tournament as well. Okay. We'll have to see here. You know, It's going to be close because once you get to that tournament, everything else breaks wide open, and maybe yeah. Missouri gets some non-SEC teams and is able to make some sort of splash appearance, but you never know. You never know. It's going to be an interesting thing. One other thing I'd like to talk about, because you actually reminded me of it here before we close this one. Talk about the fact that you were saying maybe Missouri should have stayed. Well, either way, they went to the SEC, and the two other teams that are coming to the SEC, talk about if we're talking just women's basketball purposes, Oklahoma and Texas have been in and out of the rankings this year, too. We're, we're going to be talking about a top-to-bottom, like, massive women's basketball conference. when they can, For all conferences or all sports across the board, it's looking like the SEC is going to be crazy. But just talking about Mizzou women's basketball, I mean, it's going to be – every other conference is going to be shrugging at some point. Like, what do we do? Like, how, how, how do you compete? Like, the money that's coming in, it's crazy, right? Ooh, that money. That money. <clears throat> you know that money's good. You yeah. know that money has to be good. Jeez. You know the money's good if Texas, who had their own – network was like you know what screw that we want to come over to the sec because we're going to be making any more we're going to be making more money than ever possible that's something that is ridiculous about it something that we're going to have to keep an eye on for sure and see exactly when that trickles down but either way both of you thank you for everyone out there listening this is going to be something that is going to be coming out on a weekly basis for a little bit of time it depends on you know how if mizzou makes the tournament how far they go that's going to really determine what we do on a weekly basis here for this podcast. But once again, I'm Cameron Connor, Shannon Belt. And Nate Marcus. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week.